0: Let's embark on an exciting new journey. Get inspired to explore the shallows and the depths with her ocean story. Mahalo for listening from one ocean lover to another. I'm your host, Jennifer Marie, and I'm ready to have some fun on this party wave together. Aloha, ocean lovers and ocean adventurers listening in to her ocean story today. I have a special guest here on the show. I mean, to me, they're all special. And I love them all in their own way. And everything that they do, I admire them. But today we have Lauren Messinati. I'm very excited to be interviewing her. I actually met her and dove with her several years ago in Jupiter, where she was working full-time as a shark diver on local dive shops with local dive companies, and also as a full-time scuba instructor and teaching. And now recently, last year, at the beginning of last year, she decided to make a change very empowering as an eighth grade and high school science and biology teacher. I'm really excited for her and to dive deep into her story and what's inspired her to become the person she is today. She's still very much involved in the dive community as a patty dive instructor and with Project Aware and Shark Conservation Instructor as well. Hi, Lauren. Hello. Thank you so much. (laughs) So nice to be here. Yes. And thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule and, you know, during a little holiday break. I really appreciate it. Of course. So let's just uh, start from the very beginning. Where awesome. and when did your love for the ocean grow?
1: Um, so I grew up in New Jersey um, and in New Jersey, our oceans are not very pretty, but <laughs> I uh, spent every summer on Long Beach Island. So my grandparents had a house down on the Jersey Shore and I was on the beach sun up to sundown. Um But when I was younger, I always wanted to be a teacher, ironically. Um, And then when I got to high school, I got the opportunity to go to Blair Academy, which is a private high school up in Jersey. And they had a marine biology course. Um, And I took that, I believe, my junior year. And uh, it changed my mind on it not only opened the path up, but I was like, you can get paid to do this like you can get paid to be in the ocean and to study it. Um, and so I had a great college counselor, my marine biology instructor. My senior year was also my freshman um, biology teacher when I was in high school. Um, so Mr. Gertzen, he was a really big mentor for me. And a lot of people in my life told me not to study marine biology You won't get a lot of money for it. It's hard to find jobs. Um, And I said, well, then I'm going to go where the jobs are. So I applied to University of Miami, got in there on a nice academic scholarship to kind of help that cost. And I went off to get a degree in marine science. And it was about my junior year where I had a professor who I was taking um, marine underwater archaeology it's a class on shipwrecks, which was nice. one of the coolest things. Um, our instructor, because it was grad class, he said, if anyone you know, in my class ever wants to come diving on my dive boat, I own a dive, a dive boat in Miami Beach. Um, you can come on for free. Just bring your own equipment. And I never left his dive boat. <laughs> <laughs> I spent it. every hour on his boat because I was a girl from a country town in New Jersey. And I got on the boat and I didn't know port from starboard. Um, so I made it my mission and I asked one of the crew that was there. I'm like, Hey, can I shadow you? Can you like teach me knots? Can you teach me about boats? Cause I knew that if I wanted to work in marine biology, those were skills I was going to have to have. Um, and then come summer, I think that was my junior year. Um, a lot of places around here in Florida, always hire extra help over the summer. And he asked if I wanted to stay down and work full time and get paid to do it. And I Perfect. said, yes, I would absolutely love to get paid to be in the water every day. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, that kind of started it. And then I lived in Miami for a while, um, was working as a dive instructor, graduated and continued working full time as a dive instructor. My dive shop owner on Miami Beach was incredible and let me create my own shark conservation program um, because my first dive I ever went on for sharks was on Emerald Charters up in Jupiter. And it blew my mind (laughs) (laughs) Um, to be able to coexist with these creatures who you have been trained your entire life to fear was eye-opening and one of the most beautiful nature experiences I've ever had in my life. Um, So I went back to my dive shop. I said, how do I get paid to do that all the time? And he said, you (laughs) have to create a program and someone has to request you. And I said, got you. Awesome. And um, in Miami Beach, I started Shark Conservation Week through our dive shop, where uh, one week over the summer, um, me and this girl, Maddie Kaufman, who I trained to be a dive master, who is now publishing papers on coral research conservation, um, her and I teamed up. At our dive shop and she did the promoting and the um, beach cleanups we did and a bunch of different stuff. And then we also offered shark snorkels and shark dives. Oh, that and is that's amazing. How I then, yeah. And then I became a patty shark conservation instructor because all you had to do was request a shark conservation specialty. And I was the only instructor at the shop. So despite the fact that I was the youngest instructor at the shop, so it's usually seniority on who gets to go on the shark dives. One person wants that class. Oh no, Lauren has to go on the shark <laughs> dive. <laughs> So I started doing (laughs) that that so so much. (laughs) Yeah. And I absolutely loved it. I love training people and like showing people how beautiful sharks are, but also educating them with the conservation side of it, which is that we do kill 100 million sharks legally per year as a human species. um, Mm -hmm. And that's just reported. Um, that's just the reported yeah. number from commercial fishing and recreational fishing. Um, a lot of scientists believe that number to be almost double if you count uh, illegal, unregulated bycatch and all those things. So to see these beautiful creatures and realize that like they're about to die, I wanted to make that my passion and kind of share with people how beautiful they were. And that's how I met you. <laughs> uh, yes,
0: exactly, and it's and it's a part of the reason that led me to even create this podcast because I'm you know a full time nurse. I work in the healthcare industry, and when I tell people on my days off, I love to be in the water diving with sharks or wing foiling, and I get excited if I even see a shark because I know how precious that is, how rare that is now, and mm-hmm. I don't take it for granted. I mean, I might get a little initial scare if I'm wing foiling above and see a large one. But then quickly I realized, Jen, they're more scared of you than you are of them, <laughs> and they take off faster than I can even notice. But um, yeah, the first my yeah, first shark are, dive that's... on Emerald was yes unforgettable, <laughs> the
1: best dive of my life. <laughs> and to see people have that joy and to watch people is the whole point of what shark ecotourism is is fear to fascination is mm-hmm. to change that fear that you have to not just a fascination, but also a love for it. And you're only going to protect anytime you learn about conservation. They say you're only going to protect something that you love. And I can show you a video of a shark all day long. But until you are coexisting eye to eye and it swims by and looks at you and it's like, what's up? And then yeah. a 12 foot tiger shark just keeps swimming by or mm-hmm. a bull shark that you've been trained to fear your whole life turns to you and you make a movement and it goes, ah, and just swims the other way. You're like, wait a minute, like they're afraid of us. Yeah, and exactly. And you can peacefully coexist with them. Um, and it's, it's a really cool feeling. And then when you have the opportunity to um like save a species and like maybe not eat mako meat or not eat shark meat or like kind of promote shark conservation and that they should be saved instead of killed, it also spreads like an awesome message because they do keep our oceans clean. And that's what people don't realize. They are on the top of that pyramid. And teaching eighth grade science and biology, I get to talk about it to 150, 13, and 14 year olds a year that if the top of that food chain, if the top of that food chain falls, like everything else underneath it is gone. So Mm -hmm. we can be afraid of them as much as we want, but we need them. We like the other thing, like fishermen. They want to like be afraid of sharks or not like them because they steal their catch. And anytime that they get, you know, upset at that, that we like, you know, love diving with them. I say, well, without sharks, the fish you catch are going to be um, injured, diseased, you know, have like injuries on them. Sharks clean up your catch.
0: Mm-hmm. They
1: make the all the species underneath them a healthy population. So yeah. if you take them out, then the fishermen and the divers, we have nothing to go on, and then the ocean ecosystem will collapse. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it's all there for a reason. You know, we it's we're meant to just live harmoniously, peacefully, not bother them, let them do their thing. We can do our thing. We can still coexist. Plenty of people do it. Even I, I admire scuba divers and free divers who who fish spearfish underwater with sharks. Cause I I don't know if I'm ready for that just yet. I tell myself I would like to learn, but then I'm like, "Mm, maybe not. I'll let the pros handle it for now.
1: (laughs) I mean, well, the other part, when you see people who do spearfish around sharks, you're also a predator. So it's a very similar, very basic animalistic, like we are the size of them. Like a bull shark Mm -hmm. around Jupiter is six to eight feet long. We are with our fins is six feet long. We have a big scuba tank on our back. We have a weapon underwater. So if you're going to spearfish or brown sharks, as long as you control and maintain your catch, they look at you like, oh, okay, you're another predator. You've got it. And it's also um, a lot of situational awareness and what you Mm -hmm. talked about, right, which is not doing it before you're ready, not doing it before you're properly trained, before you know what species you have in the water, before you're understanding their behaviors, so that when you shoot that fish or when you are leading a shark dive, you are knowing what species are around you, what their behaviors are like, which ones you have to follow, and like kind of making like a conscious effort to know where they're at, like tiger sharks. Exactly. Um, and as long as you're fully aware that you are in their territory and you're just looking around, you're not on their menu. And that's exactly. the part that blows people's minds is we're mm-hmm. not on their menu. The It's a myth that sharks can smell blood a mile away. Um, they can smell <laughs> fish blood a mile away not human blood. So if you've ever like gone fishing and your hands get really gross and fishy, that's their food. That's like yeah. how we can smell like the, you know like the old fashioned story of like pie, like we can smell what we want to eat, but they don't want to taste us. Exactly. Now I totally you know
0: completely resonate with that. Totally understand. Because I've gone, you know, on shark dives or just regular dives full blown menstrual cycle and people are like, "Oh my god, how can you go diving?" And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Guess that's, that's not they're not interested in us. They have been smelling fish and fish blood and eating fish and fish blood for millions of years. They're not interested in us at all. No, all the accidents, at all. shark attacks and all of that. That's just by pure accident. You know, it's, it's just, you know, being in the wrong situation, wrong time. And then, and it sucks, you know, because nobody of course, you know, wants that or desires that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's just like, you know, we, t- it's the risk that we take when we're driving on the road, you know, an
1: accident can happen. That's, and nobody wants that either. But it's, it's for you, like with what you do with your, um, with the wind foiling and like surfers are an amazing example of respecting and coexisting with them because there's a lot of surfers who love and respect sharks and whose friends have maybe gotten bitten and they've gotten right back on their boards. And the reason they do is they know they're going into their home. They know that they're going into their home and surfers in particular look like a seal, especially if you're surfing in a place where there are seals, so mm-hmm. they're not mad at the shark for mistaking them for their food, it's just a part of what happens. Um, and there are ways, especially with diving and snorkeling, I always tell people like there are ways to do it safely. Um, we don't just hop in the water in a bikini. Um, and Emerald was one of the boats that definitely started some of these like, on un- like, unknown but known regulations. You know, we wear full wetsuits, so we don't look Like fish with our legs flopping around. We wear full wetsuits. We keep our hair tied back. We do things so that we look like another predator and not prey. And with that, we can just coexist with them and they look at us like another shark. Exactly. We're all black, no
0: bright colored fins, no bright colored wetsuits, Um, you know, preferably. There are some people who like to stray off of that, but as for the most part, as long as you're fully black, you know, fully dark, you look like Mm
1: -hmm. another predator. It's, It's, Very safe. Very safe. And it's not because they are going to come up and attack you. It's just it's people say, oh, well, you have regulations on it. It must be unsafe. Not at all. It's us respecting them as a predator. And what we do is ecotourism. It's about training people how to interact with a predator in a safe environment. And so we're going to do that in a way that has been proven. Like Emerald's been around, I think, almost for 20 years doing shark dives in which they have a great track record, Emerald, and now the whole fleet of them, Calypso Dive Charters um, and all the other ones that do shark ecotourism all kind of generally follow the same rules so that we stay safe and we can just coexist
0: with them. Exactly. Exactly. Any any moments where you have been scared by any chance, like with the shark or nervous or and how did you overcome it? What did you learn from it?
1: Yeah, uh, when you're surrounded by 20 sharks, sometimes um, your hair turns up, but not in a way that, you know, you can never let your nerves win. Um, But it's also you go through a a pretty good training process where, for example, they don't just have you lead a shark dive after a month, right? So for me, when I went on Emerald, it was about a year before they even trusted me with a crate of just coming on as like an intern. And the first thing you learn is the sharks, right? You need to know how many sharks are there, what species they are. So it's a lot of education. My marine biology background from college really came into play. So first you have to understand all the sharks. And the only time that I've actually ever been nervous is because now then Emerald is well, a larger boat, you then have to turn around and make sure your 13 divers are sitting appropriately. Um, so I've never been nervous around the sharks. <laughs> I've actually been more <laughs> nervous if I have a diver who their fear is a little overcoming and now they can't control their buoyancy, or they're using their arms to swim. And so that you know has a shark turn towards them. Um, so it's never necessarily from safety point from the sharks. It's more so that I have sometimes had to cut my dive short because people forgot how to dive and for the safety of my divers been like, okay, we're going to come up, we're going to regroup. We're going to re go over the safety briefing of what you're supposed to do. Um, and then go back out there. And as a dive leader, um, we can control as much as we can control with a really detailed safety briefing, how deep we're going, where your positioning is. And then at that point, my job is to bring the sharks in and also keep you in formation. And if one of those is not working right, we can just come up and reset the dive. Exactly. Yeah,
0: uh, amazing answer. It's it's completely understandable. It was most of the time, it's it's the divers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they get too close to the crate, they get scared. That happened to me once, but I mean, luckily, I kind of kept my pa- my cool, you know, yeah. and just was like, okay, I need to get farther away from the crate Mm -hmm. too close to this thing
1: (laughs) and that's why for the diving also um for like the shark dives that we do in Jupiter it is recommended for advanced open water um so that you have some experience drifting doing deeper dives so that we're not Putting sharks in your way um, or right in front of you before you have mm-hmm. mastered that inflator button and before you have mastered your buoyancy. And if you're not quite as experienced as a diver, there are plenty of companies, and Emeralds are doing it as well now, that offer shark snorkels. So, same rules apply, except you get to snorkel on the surface, and then we don't have that added point of oh by the way we're in 300 feet of water you have to make sure you stay at 100 um that's yeah. more of an advanced skill um but it's exactly. a great test to kind of see how well your diving is and mm-hmm. um, you have usually myself or someone on the crate and then if it's a large group you also have a safety diver to kind of help and bring people up to the right spot help you if you are getting too close to uh the sharks or anything like that
0: yes yes definitely thank you so much um and then so for people, when you're talking about divers who, you know, get scared, um, who are, you know, underwater, you know, when they're when you're teaching them, how do you how would you say or best describe that you help them with overcoming fears or anxieties when you're teaching? Because I have a lot of friends who tell me they get scared.
1: They're nervous about it. You know, they're thinking about it for a while, but they're like, nah, I don't think it's my thing. The the biggest thing that I tell people is some of the most amazing experiences and actually Will Smith did an entire um, like video series on it is some of the most incredible things in our life is past that door of fear is past that door that's blocking you from doing something awesome. And the biggest thing for me that also helped in my diving like yoga and being able to kind of focus and meditate and realize that just because you're underwater does not mean you're not safe. You have all of the scuba diving gear on you that has been designed and proven to make sure that you are safe underwater. And if something malfunctions, that's what a dive training and certification is for. You have classes in the pool to learn how to signal to your buddy if something's wrong. You can share air with your buddy. You know, you're trained to never dive alone. So you always have at least two tanks on yours and your buddy's back. So that if something were to go wrong, you're trained how to safely go to the surface. Um, So everything like paddy trains um, kind of gets you slowly to that step. A good example for me when we talk about fear was my father. So I certified my dad um, about probably seven or eight years now. Um, and this was a man who was afraid to get into the ocean to pee because of jellyfish, petrified. Of the ocean. Grew up in New Jersey in the gross water and was so afraid to get in there. Would come down and visit me in college and see me diving, but was like, nope, I'm never getting in there. And then we went on one dive trip to Key Largo where I went diving the Spiegel Grove, which is a, a really awesome deep shipwreck down there. And there was a captain named Joe Thomas. He has since passed away, but one of those old salty captains that was taking us out there. And I came up from the dive, and my dad's like, I'm going to get certified. And I'm like, you're afraid of the ocean he said no i'm gonna do it and we talked that night over dinner, and he said when he was underwater joe thomas who's a grandpa was like why are you up here dude like why are you on the surface and he said i'm afraid and he said what are you gonna have to talk with your daughter with in 20 years like what she's down here you're up there what are you gonna have to connect that bridge and my dad was like the ocean and it makes me like tear up like tear Aww. up thinking about it he is now certified not just that but he's a better diver than me Oh, no, don't say that. I'm sure both of you are amazing divers. Amazing. Well, he took it to the extreme. He now actually is a tech diver. He now explores shipwrecks at 300 what? feet underwater. Like okay, he that is trimix certified. This man badass. attaches five <laughs> tanks onto his back and makes me look like a little recreational scoop <laughs> diver over here. And he attaches five tanks to his back. I, this man went from being afraid of the ocean to wanting to go as deep as possible, explore every shipwreck, he went over to, what is it, Truck Lagoon? He he has never bought his passport before. And this man now went on a liveaboard to Truck Lagoon in Indonesia to dive, like, the sh- the wrecks over there. Like, talk about, like, that door opening was the entire world for him. He's like, everything's now open. He comes down to visit me from Jersey now once every four months. So past that fear sometimes is some of the most amazing things. And it also helps you mentally, right? Yeah, Like How much do you... That's why I love teaching it. That's why I love the sharks are awesome. But teaching diving is one of the coolest things to have someone realize and figure something out and realize how all the gear can work so perfectly with you. And then you can see a whole world that you never realized existed. Wow. Talk about it's a also transformation. Quiet. It's also yeah. quiet down there. Like the biggest reason why I fell in love in scuba diving, regardless of the sharks in college, it's peaceful. Oh, yeah. Like where else in our world today do you get 45 minutes of quiet? And it's not quiet. It's you have to pay attention uh, to your gear, to your surroundings. So it's 45 minutes where your brain meditates and focuses exactly. on one thing. And so when I was in college and I had papers due and I had start the start of bills and all of that, it was the only time that I could turn it off. And then when I got back from my dive trip, my mind was clear and I could like take on the week. Yep. And I- totally resonate with that. That's how
0: I feel when it comes to surfing, diving, sailing, anything in the water, just it's a meditation where you can really focus and you don't hear your phone ringing. You're not paying attention to your phone. You're not anticipating a text or a phone call. You're not worried about bills and whatever is on land. It's really just, it's your me time. It's like my spa, Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) my spa day. (laughs) So when people get nervous, I just say like, it's, we got to find out why. right? So mm-hmm. some people are claustrophobic. Some people are nervous to get that water into their nose. And it's just with diving, we build it up so slow. Like you start your certification in the pool, where if you freak out, you stand up. Right. So yeah. like it's mm-hmm. slowly overcoming that. And with the proper instructor, which many are, you're not going to go faster than what you're comfortable with. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and i also tell people that are nervous this is your journey like especially let's say you're diving with your boyfriend or your friends and they're getting it and you're not tune it out like it's not a competition of who can equalize faster like it's you learning your body and how you can equalize um one of my biggest challenges right now is certifying my boyfriend (laughs) who um is get is chat like He can't equalize the way I equalize and neither could my dad. So it's having them have to learn their own way of equalizing. Despite for me and most people, we can just pinch our nose and equalize. Some people have to move their jaw, go side to side. So it's about not getting frustrated and realizing you have to come up with your own solution and find what works for you. And then it clicks and you're good on to the next skill. Exactly.
0: Yes. Very true. Yeah. Everybody has their own pace, their own rate, you know, pace of learning. Whether it comes to diving or surfing, some people will get it faster than others. Some just need to find a a way of their own, like you said, modify it to themselves. It's finding your body and
1: finding your adaptation that Mm -hmm. can still get the job done. But there are many times that your instructor will teach you what they know works, what other people have. But as long as you can figure out something else, like diving is so adaptive. Like I have guided people who are um I, I guided a paraplegic on one of the shark dives on Emerald, which was one of the coolest experiences. Wow. Um so I held his tank the whole time and he could use his hands and he was an amazing photographer. So his hands were on his camera and he could control his buoyancy and I was his legs. And so I kind of guided him on the whole shark dive. And it was one of the coolest things. He was so awesome getting around the boat. It was a rough day, and this guy was threw him in the water and I guided him on his tank. So there, no matter what fear you have or what disability or your body type, there's an adaptation that you can still do to get them along. That's mind blowing. That's, that's crazy.
0: I was going to ask you, is there anything you don't like about teaching? Like your least favorite thing about it? I don't
1: know. Um, not necessarily about teaching. I know in diving, um, like they tell you like, understand and don't go past some fears you don't like, not a fan of caves. Like some people love cenotes, (laughs) some people love caves. And I even went to Mexico. I had a dive instructor, I used to work for Miami, take me to the cenotes down there. I was like, this is cool, but there's no fish. (laughs) I'm a fish girl, like I like marine biology and I don't like the tight closed quarters, like give me a reef all day. Um, But with diving, um, it's definitely challenging having um, couples or families, um, it's a competition and it's Ah, (laughs) not interesting okay yeah because some people will get it and some people won't and then you have to not get frustrated and as the instructor you have to be able to teach at different paces um families is always a fun very fun but very challenging one like if we'll have a mom dad and then two kids because the kids will pick it up faster okay and that's a that's a fact cool yeah they don't don't have they don't have the fear right you're like go to the bottom Mm -hmm. of the ocean go down
0: there i believe you i got a 10 year old He's no fear. <laughs> and
1: 10 years old is when you can certify them. And I remember this one family, like the two kids were like 12, 12 and 13. And there were two boys and they would like race to the bottom. And I had to <laughs> control them while mom and dad were almost having a panic attack. Like you mean you want us to go like down there? I'm like, yes, let's calm down. Well, the kids have ADHD and they're following the sea turtle. Um, so definitely more challenging. But I think it's really fun because then at the end, they all go diving together.
0: And of living in
1: Florida, uh, living somewhere where you can just rent a tank and grab some gear and go explore the ocean, um, it's cool. Yeah, so those are anything priceless. You know, family memories. I, I, mm-hmm. Yeah, the challenging ones I like overcoming.
0: hmm Because it creates. Yeah, people. I love a challenge too. Yeah, that's you know your creativity comes out. You know, you get to brainstorm. Yeah. You get to think. Okay, let's go take it step by step. Mm-hmm. I love it. And uh, what's your I guess I'm going to break this into question into two parts. Your favorite marine life or marine life experience
1: underwater. Hmm. My favorite. I love hammerheads. Great hammerheads. When people always ask, like, "What's your favorite shark?" I love great hammerheads. I was going to ask that it, next. <laughs> yeah, it's a close. It's a close one with um, tiger sharks because tiger sharks are their eyes and the way they move like there you can see their thought process like you can see them looking at you and you can see how slow and methodical they they move hammerheads I just find breathtaking and an amazing example of evolution you know like the bell when you like I also fell in love with sharks my freshman year in biology we dissected one and they have the ampullae of Lorenzini the little things that that tell electrical vibrations the sharks have f- seven senses more than wow. us they have little jelly-filled pores that detect electrical vibrations in the water, which is what your brain gives off. Um, and they also have a lateral line system down the side that are little hairs that detects vibration. And a hammerhead is a giant metal detector for stingrays in the sand. They have perfectly evolved to eat stingrays. And all of their ampullae of Lorenzini are on the underside of their cephalofoil. That's the bell they have. And it's if you watch them hunt a stingray, it's a metal detector. They go, boop. Boop, 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 boop. And they go quick, grab it, go. And wow. they can get up to twenty feet long. You can see them from a distance because they're their dorsal fin. I'm sure you may, may have seen hammerheads on the surface. Their dorsal fin is so distinct. Um, but they have zero recorded attacks on humans. And I think zero. that's one of the coolest zero. That's cool. And you wanna know why? They're designed to eat stingrays, their mouths are this big. <laughs> Yeah, like their teeth are this big, their mouth is this big. They're this huge, gi- giant species, and if they're ever up on the surface, it's because they're just actually taking a break and going with the current, with you guys like the surfers and and, and kite surfers on the surface. Um, mm-hmm. but when I got to feed in Bimini, and I got to feed them, and they name them there because they study them, they actually name them names like Aphrodite and um, Medusa after Greek and Joker, mythology. I think another one. That's I I was actually one of the first to feed Joker, which was really cool. Um, She's actually blind in her right eye, so she can't track food on her right side. Um, So the larger species, they have different personalities and it's cool to learn. But great hammerhead is definitely my favorite. Sea turtles are close. They're really cool. But to be able to see a great hammerhead is, in my opinion, like one of the most rare examples of evolution.
0: So as a science
1: nerd, they excite me. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Definitely. no, they are exciting. I remember my first time seeing them on Emerald. My first ever shark dive was with Emerald. I'm not mistaken this was maybe 5 years ago. It was in 20 no, 2017, so 6 years ago. How time flies, Jesus. But yes, saw everything I could possibly see in a dive. It was it was pretty it was you know, they say it was you're lucky to see to have seen so many sharks on one dive in one day. Because after mm-hmm. that, I've never been able to replicate that day. Because I mean, we saw two tiger sharks. Well. It was three great hammerheads, nurse sharks, bulls, and lemons everywhere. I mean, it was just a very heavy, intense day, and I've never been able to replicate that. See all of that in one, like three dives back to back. You know, I, I still like a dream, but I know it was it's there, and it makes me kind of sad. I, ha- you anyway, know, I haven't been able to replicate that, but um, also I mean, I'm not so- working there, you know, so it's I don't get to see it every day. You know, it's like a couple times a year I go right.
1: There is also right. the realistic part, though, like um, my first shark dive about 10 years ago was very similar to that. Tigers, hammers, everything all around. And we can say with definite certainty as people who have been in the water with sharks, like their numbers are declining and we're seeing it on shark yeah. dives. We're not seeing as many. Yeah. We're not seeing as many species diversity. The other very realistic thing is how warm the oceans are getting. Um, so it changes migration patterns. Um, it was like literally the warmest, Ocean on record, and historically, we actually know that like okay, hammerheads usually come in when the ocean gets to 72 degrees. Like we know that they like the colder water. Um, Bimini Shark Lab, that's the company in in the Bahamas that has shark researchers also associated with the University of Miami that research the great hammerhead sharks, and because they migrate there year after year, and mm-hmm. they notice a difference in their migration patterns and global sea temperatures. So yes. To answer your question like it may not happen again we may not see yeah. that many and that's why we, we do these not. shark dives we, that's why we do yep. these shark dives is to see that um but one of the cooler like stories i've heard was in the florida keys the national the florida keys national marine sanctuary that was a place that used to it almost got fished like you couldn't see a shark there was this one teacher at south beach dive and surf his name was alvado and he was um working there for almost 20 years when I started working there, he started saying, Lauren, you must be bringing the sharks because we see so many on every dive. We used to see none. Aww. Wow. So It's an amazing example of a, a marine sanctuary working like the Florida Keys Marine Sanctuary is the nation's oldest and largest marine sanctuary. And it it pissed some fishermen off. Like 50 years ago, they were like, nope, we are protecting this area. You can't fish there. And obviously, People didn't like it at first. And it's an amazing example where fishermen and dive companies now completely like without that sanctuary, those reefs would have died. Yeah. And fish don't know where the sanctuary boundary is. So with a healthy sanctuary, mm-hmm. now having sharks come back to the reef was huge. So there are winds that we're seeing. We're seeing places where sanctuaries are working and sharks are coming back because once you see sharks on the reef, it's a healthy reef. And in exchange, yep. the fishermen outside the sanctuary respect it like they're like they now fish right outside the sanctuary because that's where there are now healthy fish coming through and so the sanctuary was founded so that we can enjoy the ocean for the future both fishermen divers anyone who wants to enjoy the ocean so um there's hope and there's also yeah. the younger generation which is why I have love transitioning to teaching um the younger generation is like what are we doing what what are we doing? Like why are we not saving these creatures? And so it's going to take a little bit of a generational shift, but obviously, our parents put money over a lot of the environment, but we are now that generation that's a little bit more aware and being like, mm, I'd rather go on eco- yeah, mm-hmm. I'd rather go on a shark ecotourism trip than one with Mark the Shark to go watch him kill some hammerheads. There are people who are now Instagram, Facebook, TikTok getting up in arms when they see a shark killed rather than okay with it. And exactly. it's a cool generational shift that we're having. No, it's to really get good. Back to those dives that we had when we first started shark diving, where we would see all the species.
0: Yes, yes. So so There's hope to get I'm back to that. <laughs> praying for that too. Hoping for that as well. All good things. And then, just a few more questions. What would you say is on your bucket list for scuba diving that you haven't been to just yet, and your favorite that you have been to so far?
1: Mm-hmm. Ooh, those are hard ones. Bucket list would probably be um, Indonesia, like Truck Lagoon, um, those areas. I I think it's, I I don't think it's Truck Lagoon. I know there's a place where they have huge tiger sharks. Hawaii is on my list for sure. Um, Hawaii and Australia. If I have to think like really quickly, Hawaii and Australia, because Hawaii had all of the waters in Hawaii is a protected marine sanctuary. So they're starting to see that increase of large pelagic species come back. So I would love to go out and swim with whales and all the wildlife they see out there. To this day, I've never seen. Oh no, I did see a manta in the wild when I was in Mexico, but like I would love to dive with them and just Me see too. all that diversity. And bucket list quickly is the Great Barrier Reef because my grandma was a teacher and she went and dove the Great Barrier Reef, and I remember as a kid her being like, "You got to get there before it like disappears," and like we're there. <laughs> Um, yep. so I, those are the top two. If I were to go on a dive trip soon that I would definitely want to. And my favorite place that I went diving, um, I loved the whale sharks in, um, the whale sharks and manta rays in, uh, Mexico. On yes. Island that was an incredible experience. Um, and the blue hole was really cool. Cause I went to Belize and I did the blue hole, but cooler was, I forget the wall that's on the atoll right outside the blue hole. It was one of the most breathtaking, pristine reefs I've ever seen in my life. And to see the drop off to like a couple thousand feet was wow, was really cool. Yeah. And then shark wise, Tiger Beach and Bimini to feed tigers there and the Hammerheads in Bimini were like top two dives I've had for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. I I tried. I went to Bimini in February of this year, but dive conditions were horrible had to be canceled the whole weekend i was so bummed out so i need to go back i'm hoping to go back before you know in january or february it's definitely and though in Hawaii and australia too just because of the diversity of the sharks the great whites giant mantas are also my favorite so i've i i saw one for the first time in isla mujeres in mexico too with the whale sharks beautiful experience like do
1: circles under like you're looking at a whale shark trying not to get in one's path and then you look down and you just see them doing the circles underneath you because you see their bellies of white and then i remember yeah. i was getting out of the boat once and i turned over and one breached like right next to our boat and it's like <sighs> a giant oceanic manta just breaching wow. I'm like that's awesome like that's, oh, that's so beautiful
0: uh, yeah, yeah so Coro is definitely on my list that for that too yeah. the giant mantas yeah. liverboard that's the next liverboard i have to do i've done one in in egypt in the red sea which was mind-blowing too lots of sharks that's
1: my a thresher saying, shark, a thresher shark is so cool. They're so little and so cute, but they're long tails. Oh my gosh. I, that was beautiful. Red sea same. is probably the next, I, I have not been on a live board, but my dad is like trying to plan one to go to. And he's like thinking somewhere that has cool wrecks and he knows I'm all about the big wildlife and he's all about his shipwrecks and he came to like the red sea. So <laughs> hopefully we'll do that one soon.
0: Yes. Yes. I'm so excited for you and your dad. My dad actually got certified too around the same time that I did. But he had a little experience with some vertigo on the last dive in Puerto Rico. So he hasn't gone back to do it. But I'm hoping he'll one day maybe want to take a little refresher and try at it again. I'm sure uh, he will. Especially if you're
1: offering to go with him.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. (laughs) Now that we're here in Florida together, we definitely got to make it a plan. And then last question. Mm -hmm. All right. Goals for
1: 2024, since that's right around the corner. What are your plans? Um, So... My goals and plans for 2024, I love teaching. I'm loving doing that a ton. I'm also coaching and I'm coaching the soccer team for boys and girls. And it's so fun and so entertaining. Um, but for scuba diving goals, I'm about to start at my own LLC. Um, and I'm going to start my own dive company so that I can start really instructing again. Because um, with teaching, it's been hard to find a shop that will accommodate a teacher schedule. Um, so I want to make my own, I want to make my own business, my own dive company that I can also offer certifications to like young kids. Cause I now have a lot of my kids that are like, Hey, Miss Mez, like, can you certify us? And oh, I want to so do like, summer. Yeah. So I want to do like summer certification camps. I'm going to do a summer shark, like snorkel for some of them okay, who I want take to take my son to you. So you let me know. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I want to do. So like, I want a lot of teachers have like a side gig or something that they want and I want mine to be diving. So I'm still like an active paddy instructor. So I want to do that. And then with my boyfriend being a firefighter, I've always loved um, certifying like paramilitary. I certified the Miami beach fire department in Miami. And that was one of the most hilarious classes ever um and a lot of them have also asked me like hey do you do dive training because they need that to then go on to do some rescue training especially being coastal in florida so i want to start my own llc and i want to start focusing on what i love to do which is teaching kids and teaching like those that like save all of us which is really cool and then also obviously private lessons for my friends to be able to certify friends family and all that so that's beautiful in the works right now and if hopefully by the end 2024 profitable (laughs)
0: Beautiful. That's awesome. Amazing goals. I absolutely love it. Thank you, Lauren, so much for your time. I greatly appreciate yeah. you being on the podcast. To my listeners, so Ocean Explorers. <laughs> yes, of course. To my Ocean Explorers, thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed episode number three of Her Ocean Story. And you'd something today. And maybe for 2024, when I get involved, be more in the ocean, be more in the water, break out some of those fears. Lauren and I will be there to help along the way. Feel free to reach out to her on Instagram. I'll leave in the description her Instagram information. And please also any ratings or feedbacks. I greatly appreciate everybody who can subscribe, who loves the show. If anybody else has a guest that they would like to be on Her Ocean Story, please reach out to me at heroceanstory at gmail.com. But have a wonderful holiday break. I hope you guys all enjoy Thanksgiving and time with your loved ones. Mahalo and aloha.